I'm like, I, this is what I say to these today. I'm like, it took more courage for me to face my demons than it ever did to stand firm on the battlefield. Yeah. Because the shit that you can tell yourself, <laughs> that is the stuff that nightmares are made out of. This is Reignited, where together we will meet interesting people who have a curious message for the world. They'll tell us about their experiences so that we can all reignite our lives. If you find anything distressing in this episode, please reach out to family and friends, your health professional. You can get in touch with me at ignitewellbeing.com.au or please call Lifeline on 13 11 14. I am really passionate about getting real about life and I'm so excited to have mental health advocate and veteran Nathan Bolton join us today because this is a conversation that we need to have more often. So welcome, Nathan, and I'm really looking forward to seeing where we go today. Nah, thank you so much for having me. Really, uh, yeah, it should be, a, should be an interesting chat. So. so to introduce yourself, you've chosen some symbols there. So what did you choose and why? Oh, okay. So first one I chose was the uh, old butterfly. Yep. It's like a free spirit. And I guess through life, you evolve and change and sit as life comes at you, yeah, you have to, you can't, be, you can't stay who you once were as experiences come your way, you, yeah, you adapt and change who you are. And so it's just this ever, ever continuing process about where you're going in life. Yeah, so that evolution and, and changing and yeah, we'll get more into your yeah, story. 100%, yeah, 100%. Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> I guess the other one, another one was the masks because I guess for the first, oh, I lived that very stoic life for so long for the first time in my life i'm actually the mask is off i can actually be unapologetically myself yeah. um which is scary in one ways but extremely freeing it's just yeah uh, so those masks you had to wear to get yeah through. it was just it's just that's just the way i knew life that's just who i was and that's just where i and so i'm uh but yeah it's just Nice to be real for once. Yeah. Your authentic self, as they say. Yeah, for sure. Road, windy road. I guess I saw, I chose that one purely because that's actually what I do. Part of my own mental health practices, I jump on a motorbike and I ride in through the hills. It's like for me, mindfulness. It's actually really good. It's, uh, that's my Zen time. That's where I like disappear and I guess, um, pull back on the brakes on life. Yeah, so that that knowing of what you need. Yeah, that yeah, and uh, how long it took me to realise what I should, what I actually need in order to be uh, to help myself. These small yeah. tools that you'd never know like, your entire your entire life, and finally come aware of it, and you're like, oh my god, why didn't I learn this when I was back at school? Yeah, and I hindsight, guess hindsight. Hey? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess the last one was. Now everyone's going to think that I guess that's death and suffering and pain but i go i look at that and going we all have a time limit mm. so the the image that nathan has is a headstone, was a headstone yeah mm. i'm like we all have a time limit and we can choose to live the life based upon the judgment of others and not live who we want to be or we can choose to live now knowing that it would, it's never it's not forever the one thing's are certain death and taxes mm. And uh, make sure you live each day the best way that you you can. Yeah. Don't look too far ahead. Don't look too far back. Just live now. Yeah. So, okay. So I guess that's me. That's where. Uh, yeah. That's what got the older. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So there's a bit of philosophy coming in, knowing a bit of your story around um, that sense of living life 
even though that can be really tough sometimes. Um, the mask coming off, yeah, uh, finding that windy road and sort of finding that freedom and the evolution of, of where we go because of our experiences. And that's where, like, like growing up, I never could have imagined that um, the impact that even just childhood was going to have on my life throughout the rest, the rest of my life. And mm. still, with everything that I know about mental health now, it still impacts um, the very essence of who I am. Yeah, definitely. Um, I was, yeah, very stoic. Uh, emotions and vulnerability, you know, I guess uh, they need not apply in life. I was yeah. just like, hell no. Yep. But that's the thing, like my father was, uh, didn't convey the emotions. He didn't, it wasn't, if you're using the five lo- love languages as a means of trying to portray this, acts of service, like next level. Mm. Like you knew he's your dad, and you knew that he loved it, you. But in he, if you needed any of that positive reinforcement through any sort of verbal means, you'd never get it. Mm. Um, but that was passed on through his father. Yeah, I was gonna say it's also it's a generational, just a generational thing. thing. And I think one of the things that I love about the work that you do is that you're actually bringing this conversation to the surface, and for people to actually understand that we do need to deal with um, whatever's happening in our life, and yeah, um, you know, the mental health. Um, talks that you do and really being real about your experiences um, really helps others. People aren't aware of what they're doing wrong until you become aware of it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I had no idea that I had my entire life going so wrong. Like in the end, like I was achieving, like what, finished high school, worked in the mines, worked on the oil rigs, volunteer firefighter for the CFS, joined the army, rose to special forces by 21. Mm. Like in the end, like I was succeeding in life, Mm. but I had so many flaws in there as well that weren't to show themselves until I was truly like when life came at me like with a haymaker mm. and just said, hey, now deal with this. Yeah. Let's see how your, 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 your mentality and your personality and the tools that you've been equipped with in life are actually going to deal with you. Yeah. And so I was never aware of what I didn't know. Mm. And so when it came time to actually speak up and reach out, I couldn't. Yeah. Firstly, because there was a huge stigma attached to it. I'd been in like heavily male-dominated environments. It wasn't spoken about in my own family or we ever. Our grandfather was a very prestigious, accomplished guy, and he only ever spoke of the, his accomplishments and deeds. We never got to learn about our grandfather's failures or shortcomings. Yeah. And that's the thing. We're all human, aren't we? We are. We're not yeah. perfect. Yeah. People think I got my shit together. <laughs> <laughs> so far from. I am a lot better than where I once was. Yeah. But man, like, I got plenty of flaws. Mm. Yeah. And it's, um, it's and I know in the, th- in the therapy space that um, I see in perfectionism and that high achieving sort of aspect can be really detrimental as well. I mean, it's wonderful to achieve and, and do great things, but also <laughs> the pressure and, and what can happen with that. But before we get into your experience of having to self-explore and, yeah. and, and you know, come to this awareness. Let's just touch a little bit about being in the forces and, and what that experience was like for you. So why, why did you do that? Oh, I am <laughs> where I am today. I am so far. <laughs> where I thought I would be. Okay. Like, this is like from one end of the spectrum to the complete other. 
So where did you think you would be? Not here. I never thought I'd be this guy standing tall, proud, being open and vulnerable, sharing his experiences and his own flaws and mm. with, uh, with complete and other strangers. Yeah. Uh, I was a very, I'm a vault, like, I, like locked down, like, like, like the inner world, the inner experience, like, like just does not. I was I was brought up doing that does not come out. You do not you don't not speak about that. Um, why did I join? Well, I guess working the mines, the military, um, working the mines, oil reason all that. I was on a lot of money at a very young age, and but there was this one expression that I absolutely despised, and that was every time you'd come home, you'd be like, you catch up with your mates, they'd say, hey mate, well, what have you been up to? Mm. And they're like, oh, you know, same old. That became like one of the most my most hated phrases in the English language. Why did it grate you so much? Is that all life is? Yeah. Literally something so mundane, so benign that you literally have nothing to tell anybody. Mm. You spend most of your waking days at work and you're that, I guess, <laughs> like it's so like swept, it's swept under the rug like it means nothing. Mm. It's not. So I'm like, well, I wanted stories. I wanted adventure. I wanted to live. And um, and I had quite an idealistic notion of what success looked like growing up from our grand under the shadow of our grandfather and always hearing all these stories. And so, yeah, I literally pushed, realized the money doesn't bother me. I want to be able to live and I want to come home and have something to share. I joined the military because growing up, I always went to the dawn services with my father. He was a, we call him an emotional icebox. <laughs> oh. How does he like that? <laughs> He's used to it now. Yeah. That's, uh, that's, that's, that's the way you describe it. Like in the end, he just, yeah, words of affection and all that sort of stuff, just don't, they don't, they don't come naturally to well, him. That real stoicism is, is, is around, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it, and it still exists. And there's nothing mm. wrong with it. Mm. And it's, uh, I'll get into it later, but mm. I'm like, everyone blames this whole notion of masculinity and stoicism as though it's bad, but it's mm. not. Yeah. It's rigid views that are bad, but mm. we'll go into that later. <laughs> well, I don't even start it. Get me there. Open up the floodgates. Yeah. I always went to the dawn services with him, and I saw my dad paying so much respect to all these servicemen and men and women who had actually served. And I saw that, from, and as a young boy trying to make a father proud, I guess, but because he couldn't say it, I was. I saw that as a surefire way to. I was like, to get there. Yeah. So I obviously had my own personal agenda, but then also there was that sitting there on the side, and yeah, joined the military. I'd worked in the mines all the time. I work a huge work work ethic, and before I knew it, uh, I was like. Um, joined the military and rose to, um, to got into the special operations engineers by 21, and they're pretty much supporting Tag East, um, which is like the military domestic counterterrorism unit protecting mm-hmm. Australia's interests. 22, first tour. 23, uh, did SAS selection course. 24, second tour. And then life sort of took a bit of a turn after that. Mm-hmm. So uh, you did a couple of tours in Afghanistan? I did. Like the newfound tempo. So my jo- I was, as an engineer, my job was to find the hidden bombs buried in the ground, so all the IEDs. So mm. um, a dangerous job. 
Yes. I, uh, I was blown up twice. Uh, my vehicle exploded. We hit an IED. Our vehicle hit an IED. I was standing, and then I was also standing next to another vehicle, and that hit an IED. Gunfights. Uh, yeah. I've, yeah. Contemplated so you... and accepted my own death, lay on bombs, carried mace off the battlefield. Yeah. Yeah. So experiences that people can't even comprehend, really, like what you've seen and experienced in that role. Yeah. 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 It's, um, but I guess. To me, these are just the story of the days I've lived mm. and to those I've served with. Yeah. And so yeah. I go, there are plenty of guys out there who have lived. Mm. And I guess like what any of us do best, we always compare our experience to the person next to us and go, oh, have I been through enough? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about that, have I been through enough? So when you um, returned, what sort of happened there then? Huge shift. Yeah. What happened? I uh, absolutely exploded. And, um, my mate, my brother, and my mate took me out to a nightclub to have a good night. I literally flipped this my lid completely out of character. Yeah, I was so angry. Yeah, literally, I just wanted to find someone and start like punch him in the face and just like I had there was this rage, this inferno yeah. inside that I had never felt before. Yeah. And so I did ev- did everything I can in order to try to bury and forget it and push it aside, hoping, believing it all sort of go away. But I didn't even know what it was. I was completely ignorant to it. And so I just can uh... – and because I didn't have any vocabulary or any mental health literacy and it was because such a stigma behind all that to even ex- verbalise what my experience was, I literally externalised my entire dis- – freight train inside and so I literally I threw it out to the outside world. Yeah. So it's like that. This is happening internally and externally I'm going to have yeah. this rage come out. A hundred percent. And yeah. so, yeah, like high-powered sports cars, like going through f- as fast as they can, motorbikes as fast as they can, doing real stupid, dumb stuff, um, literally because it made me feel as though I was still alive. Yeah. I was – there's such a high, such a rust – a rush, such a level of like ecstasy that happens on the battlefield that you can't find back home. And so I was, I know at the time I just thought I was chasing that rush. Yeah. Um, little did I know there was actually a far deeper, more, uh, more problematic experience that was uh, under the surface. That yeah. was. Uh, so what was under the surface? A lot of pain. <laughs> a lot of guilt. A lot of shame. Moral injury has a profound impact on who you are. And you ask ordinary guys, ordinary people to do the worst that humanity can do to one another. And I'm a kind, sensitive guy. Mm. Like these days I describe myself as a big teddy bear. But in the end, I'm like, it's funny though because it's those sorts of guys that make the best soldiers because they, they're not hotheads. They're calm and collected. They have that level of compassion and empathy, but then they actually they can still perform their job and their duties in order to protect themselves and their mates. Mm. <clears throat> but, yeah, I guess after everything's said and done, you do things overseas that 
you had to do in order to keep yourself and your mates alive. And there's only so long that you can throw blame off onto the military saying, I just did it because part of my job, where literally eventually you have to bear the price and the consequences of your actions. Mm. So there's only so long that you can push it away or hold it down. Yeah, and for many years I was believing that I distrusted society and distrusted people and that's why I like relationships and everything were failing, but the reality is it wasn't actually that. And I only discovered this in September this year. Yeah. I'm it's talking about I, I, I got out of the military in 2014. Like, yeah. My tours are twenty ten and twenty twelve. And I'm talking like I resolved this problem <laughs> two, three months ago. Yeah. But I think that's a really important thing, whether it's military or life. Yeah. <laughs> like it's a constant engagement with what's my experiences what's my behaviors how's this playing out and when do i when does the penny drop you know as far as what what's happening for me in that and that's an ongoing process that's not just going and having two counseling sessions like it's no and i've been been seeing a psychologist for like five years yeah um my last psych for five nearly six years and i'm like i went through five different psychologists and psychiatrists before to get to where i am today yeah like in the end like my first one (laughs) <laughs> this is the thing. Like, I had the complete distrust. Like I didn't like. I I was in complete denial about my experience because um, I found myself laying on top of an IED and almost. Um, I was laying on the pressure plate and the main charge was underneath five of my mates and that. I thought even though we all got out alive, I thought I failed that night yeah. and it really took a heavy toll on me. I didn't take mm. that too lightly upon myself. And that realization of what could have been. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. Hundred percent. Yeah. Um, and I remember going to see my first psych when I finally, because I was in complete denial for like two, two and a half years. Um, I tried to reach out once to one of my mates, like literally it was like just like caving in on me. And then this one day I, I chose this mate. That oh, was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Never forget it. It was great. And I was like, like, we're driving, we're picking up a boat. It was buying a new boat. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, and it was just, it was stewing in me. This is 2013, so I'm still in the military. And I, I was like, and I just opened the floodgates. I went on this one, two-minute absolute manic sort of like, this is how I'm feeling. This is mm. what I'm going through. And he's just like, I'll never forget. I, I came to a pause and I looked at him and he looked at me. <laughs> you want to know awkwardness at its absolute peak? Yes. He's like, what the hell was that? Yeah. <laughs> What was that? And I'm looking at him getting all awkward, then I'm getting all awkward, and then I'm like, Nathan, shut your mouth. Like, this is like social suicide. Like, Mm. what are you doing? And then we sort of, there was this real awkward moment for like a minute or so. Mm. Everything went silent. And after about two, three minutes, he finally just mustered up. He came up with what he wanted to say, and he's like, Bolts, sometimes you just got to tough it out. Mm Mm-hmm. How did that go for you? I never spoke about my problems again until it almost cost me my life. Yeah. Yeah. That was my moment. Mm. And I was punished. The risk of ever doing it, because the first time I ever spoke about that sort of problem, the risk of ever doing it again 
after that was so great after yep. what happened that first time mm. that I never did it again. Yeah. And, and that's where this emotional literacy and people knowing what to do in those situations is so, so important, isn't it? Yeah, 100%. Because it's not that anyone has to fix it. No. It's acknowledging what is happening rather than shutting it down. Yeah. It's what good. would you advise, like, if you had that situation again and you were the other person, what would you do? Well, I guess everyone's biggest fear is being a confidant or something. Mm. Um, and what, what do I, what do I say? Mm. And I'm like, the reality is you don't need to say anything. You need to actively listen. We all have the ability to solve our own problems. Sometimes they're clouded in emotion, but mm. we need a, a, a sounding board in order to try to get all these fragmented thoughts that are running around our head and try to construct some sort of narrative through what our experience that we're actually going through. And so I'm like, let the person talk. Mm. And they may go on this 10-minute rant and they might be like pulling stuff over here and here and trying to jam it together in all sorts of kind of ways. And then your job then is to go paraphrase it. Yeah. Summarize it for mm. them. Convert that 10 minutes of just thought into some sort of succinct, precise narrative. And then suddenly they go, yeah, yeah, that's it. Mm. And now suddenly they've got these 10 minutes of like fragmented thoughts in a narrative where they can now express it and yeah. actually make sense of it. Yeah, definitely. And that's what the therapy space is that we do every day. It's not actually about us fixing it. No. It's actually about listening and reflecting it back so that people can find their own way um, as well. But also, most importantly, being heard and seen yeah. in that moment. Yeah. And that's the, such an important part about that whole therapeutic alliance. I actually say now that uh, the therapeutic alliance is, if not more important than actual treatment modality itself. Oh, massively. You, I, when I teach, I say to students, it's probably 95% of everything, that presence and being there. Yeah. And that's where I'm like, we- I probably you, made you, that number up. But no, you know, that's, that's all right. Okay. But, if, but, if, but if you're not comfortable, you're not safe, you don't um, have that level of rapport with who mm. you're actually- um, speaking to talking mm. with and literally you will be reserved you'll be fearing of judgment and so you won't actually go to the depth of what needs to be gone mm. in order to begin the process yeah. of recovery and also that doesn't happen just in a therapy space it's it's dropping a boat off you know those opportunities that happen oh, in our everyday life and i mean obviously i'm a therapist so i sit in this yeah. space a lot but i think one of the really important things is not to underestimate the power of listening yeah. Being there and taking the opportunity when it's there. But we all want this is, to, this is the human condition. Yeah. <laughs> we want to provide unsolicited advice to the individual. Yes. As though we know better. Yeah. I'm going to solve your problems. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and some like, of yeah. like the only person who knows mm. their entire story is themselves. Yeah. Yeah. You have to help that person better understand their own story. Mm. So you're a guide. Not an yeah. advisor, just like, and this is, and that's what the same as psychology, and it, it pictured as like what um, Yoda is to Luke Skywalker. <laughs> he doesn't give him the answers, but he gives him understanding and philosophies to try to run his mm. life off, to yeah. make him start to question and see things differently. Yeah. And the best thing about like a peer or a psychologist or a counselor is literally they are not emotionally clouded by the experience that you're going through. Mm. And so they actually have the ability to actually hear what is being said. And reflect removed, that. Removed of all the emotion. Yeah, yeah, because definitely. Because that is what causes a lot of the grief is the emotion attached to it. 
Yeah. And you actually are emphasizing something that doesn't need to be emphasized, but you've attached so much emotion to it and it's getting in the way. Yeah. So I think I can feel myself probably about to jump on a soapbox, but I'll try not to. <laughs> the whole sense of, you know, and I've talked a fair bit about um, the way people can unintentionally dismiss people's feelings, like your experience yeah. with your mate of, you know, just toughen up. Yeah. Um, you know, things like saying, there's worse people off in the world or, you know, just be grateful, all that sort of stuff. Like, I can see you reacting to that too. You want to insult someone? Yeah. Tell them, don't, oh, you don't have to feel the way you're feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, don't, don't, mm. you don't, don't, don't see it like that. Yeah. I'm like, guess what I am. Yeah. Yeah. And so right don't now, discount what's no, happening in the moment. Yeah. No, not at all. I'm yeah. like, that was my experience. Yeah. And that for many people, that is their experience. Don't discredit their experience. That is like telling a, a, a like a like a strong Catholic or a strong religious person, don't believe in God. Mm, yeah. Right now, stop it. Yeah. It's like it doesn't work. No. But in that context, for some reason, you accept it. But in this one, you don't. I'm like, so your your the goal is to allow them to talk things through, and you can throw different perspectives at them, saying, "Oh, have you ever thought about it like this angle?" But then mm. let them do the talking. Yeah. You're not there. You're there to help them make sense of their world. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely. all they're trying to do. So, how did you go from the mate saying, you know, toughen up, bolts, to now seeing going through to psychology and seeing yeah. um, lots of different people. What was That was a change? long journey. Yeah. Um, and I didn't find the courage to speak up again until literally the risk was death rather than so taking social, uh, more of a social suicide per se. Yeah. Um, so contemplating taking your own life? Yeah. Yeah. And like I'd come from this, been this high achiever, like, Stood tall on the front line at war. Um, I was awarded Soldier of the Year in 2013. I voted by all my mates and hierarchy is the one soldier that every soldier would want to be standing alongside if, like, shit hit the fan. They chose me. Yeah. And now suddenly two and a half years later, this is I was this guy who literally could have been justify the breath in which he breathed. And so literally I finally, I was convinced to finally reach out i had a rehab provider from the dva in order to um who was looking after me at the time and i was so ashamed that i was struggling with my mental health and that i couldn't actually deal with the consequences of war that she literally held my hand and walked me into the gp to get a referral for a psychologist so i was she was trying to get me to see one for like six months prior, and I just like, no, yeah, don't be, no, no, that's absurd. No. And it got to the point where she was like, I'm taking and it. No, I, it was on me. Yeah, I had to, mm. and she had the the knowledge to know that she could only ever try to convince me and just don't push it too hard. But every now and then just throw that little haymaker, that little curveball at me and go, oh, maybe now, maybe now, maybe now. And then literally she asked me, and that's when I was like, this is what happened over the weekend. I need to do something about it. Mm. That's the hardest thing about anyone. You as friends or peer support, you can't do anything. It's on the individual. Yeah. You can do nothing more than just be there for them. But ultimately being, you need to take they the step have to yourself. Take, they have to take the responsibility yeah. themselves. So how do you do that? Because I know um, in my own experience and people that I work with, when you're in the dark depths, yeah, it's really hard to take that step. Oh, it's and horrific. it sounds like there was like you know that moment of the crash, yeah, 
um, and this is really serious. So how, I, do, how do you do that? always said, like, PTSD, that is horrific. But depression, oh, my God. Yeah. The black dog, as they say. Mm. When you literally think absolutely nothing of yourself mm. and you think you are so worthless, such a liability and a burden to society, your family and those around you and your friends and all that, how do you move forward when you think no one cares and you don't even care about you? Mm. Um, depression, that was one of the – that was brutal. And I think the, the arch enemy to depression is effort. Yes. Everything becomes effort to – for me to recover required me effort to go and do something about it. And I, that I is know, exhausting. It is exhausting. I know yeah. that I had to go and do exercise. I know I had to eat well, but I was that required effort. Mm. And I think this is a really important point because so often, and I can get <laughs> really revved up about this, people are like, oh, just do this, just do this, just oh. do this. You know, you know the things that are good for you, but it's very different. When you're in the depths of depression to go, oh, let me just jump out of bed and do that. Like getting out of bed is an achievement some days. I spent years, literally my entire mission in life was to get through to the bed again the next night. Just yeah. get to get through the day. Yeah. Um, that was my meaning and purpose in life. Mm. I was just protecting myself from myself. Yeah. And trying to keep this at bay in order to maybe one day hopefully live again. Mm. But at the time, you can't see the light because the darkness and oh, there's like, life becomes this toxic wasteland, just like yeah. you're basking in filth. Yeah. And, and you can't just a, clean that off. No, it's a, and it, but it's all in here. I'm like, people go, oh, what does it feel like? And I'm like, well, guess, have you ever broken your leg? Mm. or broken a bone or injured yourself or hurt yourself and you hurt yourself that badly where literally instead of going to the doctors and recovering and getting it fixed up and healed, no, no, the pain was that excruciating where literally like the only way out of this right now is to take my own life. Mm. I am like, it is torture. I'm like, this is what I say to this today, I'm like, it took, more courage for me to face my demons than it ever did to stand firm on the battlefield. Yeah. Because the shit that you can tell yourself, <laughs> that is the stuff that nightmares are made out of. Yeah. And you yourself, most of the time, are always your biggest enemy. So if there are people who are in that wasteland. Yeah. How do they get the courage to reach out or take the step? For some people, they already know they're in that wasteland and they're doing what they can in order to get out. It's not a fast process. It's no. a very slow process. It took me... And in actual fact, five. you can't go fast on it because... No, you can't. You're not processing. You need to integrate stuff as you go. I'm saying you got to... Yeah. And I'm like, you you got to ex- start to accept things that, and even bring to light things that you didn't even think... Well, you, that you thought were benign. Like, literally, I had no idea up until three months ago that I was fighting the fact that I I thought I was a a bad person 
because of the things that I had done at war. Mm. And I had no idea that that was actually a problem. Like I, I'd thrown it as a, as, a, like as a throwaway line every now and then, but mm. I never knew that that was an underlying issue still plaguing me up until this day. Yeah. And it had and a we're ten years later, profound yeah. impact on every aspect and every facet of my life. Yeah. Is that like literally I couldn't even be in relationships because they were trying to love me and all that sort of stuff. And then they'll be like, oh, I, I really like you. And I'm like, no, you don't. Let me tell mm. you all the reasons why you shouldn't. Yeah, because I don't like myself. 100%. I was yeah. despising myself. Mm-hmm. And so I became my own worst enemy. Yeah. And I literally kept myself just away from everybody just because I didn't believe I deserved to feel love. Yeah. Because I'm not a good person. Yeah. And we all have our little crux and our vice. And But the thing is, uh, we don't, sometimes we don't know what it is until we actually find it. Yeah. And um, also, I think but, um, sometimes you won't find it until the other layers. Have been dealt with as well. Like it's sort yeah, of like that. But you know, um, it's not like you reveal everything all at once. Yeah. Um, and it's like this: we keep circling back to different parts, um, and they have a different energy each time you deal with different parts a, of yourself. But this is then I've been seeing psychologists now for five, six years, and I'm like, only now did I finally see that. Mm. After all that time, and I dealt with so much stuff in my past to even get to where I am today to do what I do today. Yeah. That I and, but it I'm like and this is where I mean I truly love every six weeks or whatever, eight weeks now that I catch up my sight. It's the best thing ever. And that's like to answer your question earlier, mm-hmm. I'm like I finally reached out to get help. I remember this is the thing I went through five different psychologists and psychiatrists. My first one I sat down <laughs> yes. there and he's like, by the end of the session, he's like, I knew his entire life story. I knew where his grandkids went to school. I knew uh, what his wife did. I knew what his daughters and family were doing. I knew where he was going away for a holidays later. I think he knew I was in the army. My whole body has just got into it. But that was, and that yeah. was the thing. I'm like, and I'm like, this was my introduction to psychology. Mm. I'm like, what the hell is this profession? And maybe it was he's trying to develop rapport or whatever, but oh, it's actually it became about yeah, yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Yeah. And so then I bounced around from psych to psych to psych to psych, and then I finally went to my fifth one. Mm. And I walked in there, 2015, absolutely despised the profession of psychology. Yeah. Abs- I literally hated life, the system, everything that about everything I was just done. And I walked in there and we still laugh about it to this day. I'm like, I walked in there and she goes, it was almost like an interrogation. Mm. She, you go, oh, I said to her, who are you? How are you any different? And how are you going to help me? Yeah. I love when clients do that to me too because <laughs> I know they've had a bad experience. <laughs> and that was the thing. And so I walked in there and then she – and. As calm, as collected as anything, she stopped and it was so profound. She goes, Nathan, this isn't about me. Mm. This is about you. You're in my office. Why are you here today? Mm. And I'm just like... <laughs> it was Did it take one a little while most- to trust that as well because of your experiences or...? It all happened so fast that literally like had these epiphany after epiphany in this room mm. in, this, in, the, in my first hour. Yeah. 
And I'm like, who is this woman? Like, I'm like, it was one of the greatest reframes of my life. It was phenomenal. Yeah. And before I knew it, she would talk about my behaviours, we'd set a goal, and in, like, I'd be far more willing to t- tell her that I was drinking um, half a bu- half a carton of like alcohol every night rather than mm. telling her that I was suffering from like a. That's what guys do. We'd we would much rather tell somebody that we're drinking half a case of alcohol rather than saying, mm. "Oh, I'm lonely and I'm mm. suffering from a broken heart." Yeah. Like guys just think they can't say that because they feel like I don't know, weak or less yeah. of a man. But I'm like, no way. I'm like, that's where the magic happens. That's the, that softness, that vulnerability. Yeah. That's where I'm like, and that sense of going underneath it. Yeah, and seeing what's what's playing out with it. But that was the thing. So I've, she completely reframed it, and now I've, I've seen her for five years, and now here I am, five years on. I run a psychology company. Yeah. Yeah. What what a flip! And I'm like, yeah. because I made some fundamental errors in judgment, mm. and no one was telling me any differently. Yeah, but also you don't know, and I think this is a really key message as far as not every professional um, that you see is going to be the right fit for you. So I could be the best art therapist counsellor that there is, yep. but I'm not right for every single person. Um, yep. And, yeah, it's, it's about finding the right fit. I know that, let's say, medication is being thrown around these days, like it's like candy and all that sort of stuff. Like in the end, medication serves a great purpose it in does. life. Yeah, because in the end, some people are riding such highs and lows that peaks and troughs are so rapid, so it that keeps you need safe. you need to put them on an equilibrium where they can actually begin the process of recovery. Mm. But you have to people have to understand that that is not a, that is not recovering. Yeah, you are masking a symptom of distress, and you with that you then need to start the process of actually let's uh, let's unpack this. Yeah, mm. um, and. You have to be willing to delve into the heart of who you are and resurface stuff that you think may be benign. Just tell them that. Mm. Just go and just explore it. And you never know, by going there, suddenly you have this association and you jump over here. You're like, oh, mm. I remember they did this. I had no idea. I was bullied in, high school, in primary school mm. by two girls younger than me. Like, I, I wasn't the six foot five, 115 kilo dude that I am today. Like, I was a little dude. <laughs> yeah. But I had no idea how much of a profound impact their bullying would have on the rest of my life. Yeah, definitely. Because I hate tyrants. Mm. Anyone who tries to stand over anyone, even through the military and anything I ever did, I would absolutely hound you. Mm. I can work under hierarchical systems where a level of respect is um, there. But in the end, do not ever believe respect is like deserved. It's always yeah. earned. But yeah. I can't. I couldn't stand anyone who tried to stand over anyone else because I'd felt it, and that had an underlying yeah. thing, and I had no idea why I did it. And isn't it amazing how a moment in time and experience that you've had has such an impact in everything that you do? Yeah, and that's a part of everything that we are. We mm. are a banquet of our past experiences. Mm. Yeah, definitely. The past um, is in the present. I'm like, we can always change the present and the way we lead into the future if we understand how the past is impacting our decision-making in the present. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> We're still on the same page with that. Oh, but, it, but it's, uh, and that's the thing, I'm like, and I, I love delving into my past because even to this day with everything that I know, I still keep on discovering. Mm. So that you can live. 
and I live more free and more satisfied, more happy, more authentically now than I ever have in the rest of my life. Mm. Like that entire time, I always had this mask on about of the stoic mask. Like, don't ever, don't talk about your feelings. Don't talk about. It. And I'm like, I'm living half a bloody life. Mm. Knowing now, I look back. I was living a half a life mm. because I was choosing to see reality as that is all it is. It's out there, and I wasn't allowed to experience any of the the color. So what's you, it like having more than half a life? It's the most vibrant, colourful thing out there. It doesn't mean like, I have my struggles. Mm. I have my challenges. I slip into depression every now and then, but I know it's an episode and it can be like anything, like you fall into it for like two, three months. After a couple of months, you're like, oh, God, here we are again. And you're like, and it is dark and it's lonely and it's isolating and, and it's like I know that I just can't get out. i got to let the process take its course. Mm. But I know that by going easy on myself and doing the things I need to do, eat clean, um, exercise, do mindfulness. Like, but I don't sit there with the app and go and use the chimes and all that. I literally, I, I, I have my way. And that's like either through, with my car or my motorbike. Mm-hmm. I jump on my motorbike and go riding off through the hills for like an hour, hour and a half to calm down. Yeah. Just let the wind, literally forget about everything else, focus just on the road, you got the wind blowing through your face and it's very peaceful for me. Or I'll jump and put have my headphones on, audio book and go for a bushwalk. Yeah. Where literally I have no choice but to listen to the book I'm in nature, I'm exercising, and it gives my brain a chance to just reset where I'm not stuck. My mind is full of all everything that's going on in my life, everything yeah. that's gone wrong. So you're not denying the PTSD, the depression, and your experiences, but you're able to access and acknowledge what you need in that moment. People ask often ask me, for everything you've been through and the way your life is now, like, was it worth it? Mm-hmm. Because I go, but for what I know about myself and the man that I've become today, I like the reality is I, I wouldn't change a thing. I wouldn't do it all over again. <laughs> yeah. Hell no. Yeah. But in the end, but that's the beauty of it all. You only need to do it once because once you've done something, live and learn. Learn mm. from your experiences. Learn from your past. Yeah. yeah. And make change. If it didn't work, go, oh, wow, I never want to feel that way again, so I'm not going to walk into that hole. Mm. I walked straight in last time, so I've got, okay, there's a hole here. Let's just try something different and walk around it. Yeah. You Uh, now uh, do keynote talks about your experiences and things like that. Why is that important to you? Like when you think about has it been worth it? It's important because when I needed it most, no one was there. No one was telling me, Nathan, oh, wow, you've been through these experiences. This is probably, this is probably the way you're feeling. Do you feel like this? Do you feel like that? Dude, this is what it is. Mm. You can get out of it, and, but it's going to be a long road, but let me share with you what I've been through and so you can might find some peace and solace yeah. in what you're going through. And it's not just that, like, let's... Let's flick a switch and you're suddenly well. No, no, um, no, no. You know, and I no. quite often will say to my clients, um, I'm not going to say it's easy, but it's worth it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's torture in there. Yeah. When, you, when that, that process of recovering is one of the most torturous years of my life because mm. I had to face stuff and face experiences that I'd faced on the battlefield and actions that I'd done and moments that I had been in and I had to 
bring it all out, mm. talk about it. But most importantly, I learned to I ref, I've learned to frame it differently. Yeah, where it was no longer impacting my moral system. It's not like it's not like it's it goes away, but you learn to accept what you did and why you did it, mm. and you form a meaning and a narrative that you can make sense within that you can live with. But yeah, a keynote because like, jeez, there's a massive stigma out there. A lot of the time, though, everyone, like, in my opinion, people still think there's a social stigma. I think that, that is disappearing. What do you mean by that? Like, you, you're, you don't speak up because you worry about the judgment of your peers. I'm like, no. I'm like, you speak to most people. And you go, if one of your mates came up and said, dude, I'm struggling, would you tell him he's a dickhead? And everyone goes, no. Like, you would listen. Mm. The biggest issue that people are facing is self-stigma. Yeah. You don't want to be the one walking up to your mate saying, I'm struggling. Mm. Because there's a lot of shame involved and guilt involved knowing that you have to accept initially accept the fact that I don't have all the answers to help myself and I need help. Yeah. Well, it's taking the mask off, isn't it? Yeah. But the reality is by actually doing so, as fearful and as scary, make sure you pick the right guy. Mm. Do not choose anybody. You know in your friendship circle who that person is that you should be approaching. Mm. But the moment that you actually be you with a natural individual and you're not being this superficial version of yourself and you actually allow someone in to actually see who you are, the chances are they'll actually start exploring their own stuff with you. Mm. And you will actually strengthen and forge bonds far deeper than you've ever imagined. Yeah. Mm. We all struggle in life. That is the one thing that we all can connect with. Yep. And we need to actually have more of that being said because, you know, social media shows this perfect world and, you know, we think, you know, let's all strive and be happy. But what is happiness? Happiness is actually in amongst the the peaks and troughs, isn't it? Like Very much yeah. so. People think, oh, I'm going to chase a life of happiness. Mm. I'm like, happiness <laughs> is not an end point. No. It is a moment in time. Mm. You are happy when you challenge yourself. Not so easy that it was benign. Yeah. I like the word benign. Mm. But not too hard where it's absolutely like makes you distraught trying yeah. to ac- accomplish it yeah it is this constant cycle of achieving S- struggle and you achieve mm. struggle and achieve every time you get that is where happiness lives yeah in, in meaning that, and purpose as well when you're yeah. trying to find meaning and purpose in life that doesn't mean like you can pat you sit there and pat your dog like, i got a dog and i absolutely love my dog and I'll sit there and I'll give him a pat, but I'm not going to sit there 24 hours a day patting my dog and go, oh, I'm so happy. Mm. <laughs> like, it's, it's, like in the end, like it's, it's a moment in time. It's about trying to find these moments in time going, you can have toys, you can have things around you that give you momentary happiness, mm. but for you yourself, you need to find something. You need to constantly strive, mm. constantly challenge yourself constantly achieve and that's where you'll find that true sense of happiness and fulfillment mm. because you're growing as an individual everyone always goes maybe seeing somewhere they were saying practice 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 what does practice mean and everyone goes perfect and, I'm mm. like, and he's like no <laughs> <laughs> practice makes improvement yeah 
And yeah. we feel good when we improve as a human being. We're, we're self-actualizing. Mm. We're, we're growing as an individual. Mm. To, and we're becoming a better version of who we are today than we were yesterday. Because oh, sometimes my. that's dealing with the crap at the same time, isn't it? Yeah, but yeah. the crap's going to come with you. We all, we're all dragging <laughs> that like, luggage, like this huge trolley of luggage behind us. We need to unpack it and lighten it sometimes. Unpack it, hundred percent. Mm. You got to unpack it. You got to lighten. You got to make sense of it because in the end, you can, like I was saying at the start, you can have ten, like ten bags of luggage for one thing that mm. only needed like a little, like a little mm. satchel. Yeah. I'm like, but once you've made sense of it, you've got a narrative and you've summarized it. You can put it. It's a lot smaller, a lot more condensed. Yeah. You've got a narrative and you can access it whenever you need access. And you've reframed it. Yeah. yeah. I I can access all my PTSD. I can access all those stories that used to absolutely traumatize me because I've managed to not only put into a narrative that I can live with, make sense with, but I can um, now call upon the experiences and the lessons that I learned out of mm. it. And I'm still the soldier. I'm still, if you need me to fulfill the job role of a soldier, I can still go out there and fulfill. Mm. Like put me on a battlefield again, I can still do it doesn't mean I'm less of a man because I'm now emotive or vulnerable. Mm. It just means now that instead of allowing, instead of believing that I had to be this stoic front where literally rigid views where emotions need not apply, I go, well, hang on, I've been through something right now. I know it's impacting my way of life. It's impacting not only me but those around me. I'm going, okay, there's a problem. I need to face this problem. And so I'm going to go, if I can't do it with my mates, I'm going to go seek psychological support. Mm-hmm. I'm going to unpack it and deal with this when it's in its acute phase. Yeah. Rather than so many of us go, oh, no, 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 no. And just, and you'd rather, most people spend their lives ruminating, sit in this stage of ruminating for the rest of their entire lives. Mm. I'm like, why make something go chronic when you can deal with it when it's, and it's acute? Mm. But you need the mental health literacy and the psychoeducation to even be aware of these. And the courage to step. And courage. But that's what we need to redefine what courage and bravery even means. Because courage and bravery is like what I've done on the battlefield. And that's what people perceive. I'm like, hell no. It's vulnerability. vulnerability. (laughs) That is is scary. Yeah. Being real with somebody. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. But in the end, I'm like, some of my friendships that are forged out of and the relationships that are forged out of me being where I am today, I'm like, mm. I wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah. My military experience was just a catalyst for me to finally live. Yeah. It's amazing, isn't it? But, uh, yeah. I don't know. I'm getting so excited. So you have, um, you do a lot in the space of mental health and have a psychology practice with your brother um, yeah. as well. What's your key sort of message for people if they are struggling? And you message. focus on um, men's health in particular. Yeah. Um, so we what ta- do you think are the key sort of things that people need to know? So, yeah, we take a gendered approach to mental health services, mm. believing that knowing that the needs of men, this is nothing to do with equality or diversity. It's just going the needs of men are different. Yeah. And so we're trying to give males a safe place where they're comfortable to actually reach out and we give them the best services that we can that aligns with what they want and plays into the archetypes and the tropes that men know and feel comfortable with. Yeah. Which I love because I have been a firm believer in that therapy and psychological safety happens in many different ways. It doesn't always look like sitting on a couch. 
No, mm. but, but, but that's, that, that was the problem with traditional emotion-oriented yeah. therapy is that literally guys been walking in there and the therapist goes with what they know. I remember being asked once, how did it make you feel when you were blown up? I don't know, shit. (laughs) (laughs) What do you want me to say to that? Yeah. First, I didn't have the vocabulary to even begin this conversation about feelings. But also, it's very graphic and taking you back into the trauma. Oh, 100%. Anyway, I'm going to get on No, no, no. But in the end, this is where guys, let let guys talk about the way that guys know best. Mm. Emotions and vulnerabilities at the end point, but give them to what they know. Let guys talk about their behaviours. Give them goals. We Mm. like tangible things. Give us stuff that we Mm. can do with our hands, but, Mm. but for our mind. Mm. Give us things that we can actually achieve that we can take home with us. Yeah. And emotions is always the end point, but not always the starting line. What can people take away? What was my takeaway message? Oh. Being able to sit here today as myself. You can, the, well, the rest, all the experiences I've been through and the pain and the torture that I've been through makes it all worth it. Because literally that was the road that I had to take in order to see me. Mm. To be me and to let go of all these other notions of what had to be. I was being what others perceived me to be. I was trying to, my life became that of the judgment of others, of how I was being perceived rather than, Nathan, what do you want, mate? I love rom-coms. Notting, Notting Hill is like my favourite movie. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> love it. Oh, tugging on the heartstrings. That is oh, the thing. Like, I, yeah. I, I love this sort of stuff. So what's it like to be and see you? At times, very frustrating. <laughs> Some days you wish you had the ignorance. There's no going but, back though, is but it? But there is no going back. And for those one days where I'm like, man, I wish I was completely ignorant because some days I understand the notion of ignorance is bliss. Mm. I know it's not. Yeah. <laughs> I'm well aware, but being able to analyse so much of my own experiences now can, can does is at times frustrating, but it's just a, a part of the part of the journey, part of the story. But I I know where I'm going. I know what I'm aspiring to. I'm not living my life hedged on the what others believe they want me to be. Mm. What more could someone want than to live their own life, their own way, and I guess reach their own full potential? Mm. It's pretty exciting, isn't it, to think about that? It is, but Mm. it's, yeah, struggles will come and go. We'll win at some moments, we'll feel... We've all lose, we've all feel grief, we've all feel loss, we've all cried, we've all it's not a smooth journey and life life is a struggle. Just life itself is a struggle. 
So stop going too far into the future and worrying about and building anxiety about what's to come. Stop going so far back and into the past and stop looking in the revision mirror. I remember someone saying they made the front window of your car big and this big and the rear view mirror this big, but so many of us keep looking in the rear view mirror going, oh, what I once was. I'm going, mm. guess what? You can't go back. Mm. And it's foolish to believe that you can be what you once were. Mm. Because what you once were, you've been through all these experiences, so you are now what you are now. Yeah, like the butterfly. Like mm. the butterfly. Mm. We've all been dealt with a set of cards. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Play your cards. Some of us got shit of cards than the other person. Mm. You can either sit there and be a victim and go, oh, my cards suck. Mm. I did that for years. Mm. I was a massive victim. But also you, you've dealt with the cards too. No, I accepted my cards. Yeah. That was it. I just mm. go, these are my cards. Mm. They're not as good as other hands around me, but in the end I'm going to play my cards the best I can. Mm. Yeah. I'm not going to worry about anyone else. This is my life. Yeah. Stop trying to live your life through the shadow of everyone else's. Yeah. I don't yeah, know. definitely. There's some good yeah. stuff here and we could talk all day about this. I know, I know, I know, I know. But I know. there's one thing before we finish that I really um, feel is really important for people to um, consider, which is what were the key things that helped you oh, recover? Well, obviously, the I psychologist. Had, yeah. So I had my brother yep. who I confided in for years. We both leaned on each other, hence Bolt Brothers. Yeah. Um, brothers don't let their mates walk alone in the dark sort of thing. So I had someone there that I could actually re- use and re- call upon and unpack. Doesn't mean he got it right all the time. I didn't get it right with him either. We hurt each other along mm. the way, but we stick together. But also it's, it's, you're not going to get it perfect no, all of the no, time, no, but no. it's actually Life giving it a go. Life like yeah. squiggles, all yeah. kinds of, it goes mm. back and forth in every direction. But these days, the two greatest things I've learned was Mindfulness and gratitude. Yeah. Because in the end, I get flustered and overwhelmed. Emotions come up and I don't know how to deal with them. And so mm. I go, I don't react now on my emotions. If, I'm, if I feel myself getting emotionally reactive, I literally, I'll jump on my motorbike and go for a ride through the hills. Yeah. Um, but the other one was gratitude. And I, didn't, I had no idea how pessimistic I looked at life. Mm. I remember, I remember sat down once and they said, Nathan, tell me something positive that happened today. I sat there completely blank. Mm-hmm. Like, all about yesterday. All about the last entire week. <laughs> I had nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They were like, tell me something bad that happened. I was like, let, yeah, let, here it is. let me tell you a story. <laughs> but that's the thing. I had yeah. no idea how much I was not aware that I had to be aware of the positives in life. Mm. And so much positivity happens all around us every given day and positivity is like the fuel, the buffer for of resi- the fuel of resilience, the buffer against struggle. Mm. You know those days when you feel like you can like conquer the world? Like someone could throw the worst thing at you and you're like, oh, yeah, I got this. Mm. That's what I'm saying about like the fuel yeah. for resilience. Yeah. And all I ever saw was the negative negativity because that's what my brain was attuned to seeing and that's what I trained myself to see. Mm. And so starting with the small things, someone I'd, I'd be holding, I was holding all the stuff and I dropped my pen. And then someone went out, someone picked up the pen and gave it to me. I'm like, 
well, that was good. Mm. Why? Mm. Well, firstly, this person went out of their way, out of their own little world to help me. Yeah, it can be the most and, mundane, simplest thing. And that's the thing. And then, I, mm. and then suddenly I became, and when now they helped me because my hands were full and it was so, and literally I, I create this little story, this little narrative around it in the moment. Mm. And suddenly, suddenly you're, wow, positive, a positive thing happened here. And then you see, oh, someone reached over and I don't know, I, I went to get my coffee and I couldn't reach and someone picked up the coffee and handed mm. it to me. Oh, wow, they didn't have to do that, but they did. And you start seeing all these small little things all over the place. It happens throughout our entire life. Someone cooks you, your, your girlfriend or your partner cooks you dinner. They organize something, like mm. see it for what it is. That's yeah. actually a positive moment and become aware of a lot of the good things that are happening in your life. Yeah. That's why they call it cultivating gratitude. Yeah. You have to cultivate it. You have to yeah. ask the questions why. And it's not. I have a bit of a love-hate relationship with gratitude, purely yeah. from the point of view of it's not the only thing, but oh, it is no, actually no, no. an effective tool and it's, it's brilliant to shift your lens, mm. um, but it's not to deny that there's other stuff to be dealt with as well, oh, very which is not so. what you're saying. No, um, no, no. Yeah. These are just two things yeah. that, that are actually journey. tools that you're using. Yeah, like then yeah. there's like, in between any event ever, that's ever taking fold and the way you react, people would go, oh, yeah, I just reacted to the event. I'm like, no, you didn't. Mm. There is a thought that sits in the middle there that is driving the way that you interpret the event, which will dictate the way you react. Yeah, the way you behave. Yeah, definitely. I'm like, and so becoming aware of that thought and going, okay, well, this thought is stemmed from here in my life. Let's say it's an angry dog. And you're like, oh, wow, this is dangerous. Mm. And then the dog may not be dangerous, but you just have some past experience that's telling you that this dog is going to be dangerous. Alert, and so alert, you've, had, yeah. you've got this fight or flight response for something where you didn't actually need it. Yeah. And so it's about becoming aware of where a lot of your reactions are actually coming from. And also some of those um, reactions once upon a time needed to be protective. Yeah, uh, we're like we're used for survival, yeah. but in this situation you don't need it. Yeah, no. but your body doesn't know the difference. No, I know. No, no. Yeah. And that's where, be it um, like a physical threat or an mm. emotional threat, your body can't tell the difference. Mm. The, our, our, like being in an accident or where we fear for our life, our body doesn't know the difference between that or where a phys- uh, an emotional threat. Like you might be standing up keynote speaking and someone starts yawning while you're talking. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, literally, that a- that, but that's a huge attack on the ego. Mm. And if you're unprepared and you haven't been through it before, suddenly you, you take that personally. Mm. And you're like, what have I done wrong? Yeah. I'm like, chances are that may, you may not have done anything wrong. Mm. Maybe that person is just tired. Maybe you had a late night late well, night. Maybe last they're night. so in- inspired. They need more air. Et- Oxygen. Yeah, <laughs> and this is where and you learn to reframe. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of the experiences that are going through your life. I remember mm. I've been in a sea of five hundred people. One person yawned in one of my earlier talks. Literally, it rattled me. Mm. Yeah, and you can't see the four hundred ninety nine other people, people smiling at you, going, yeah. "Yeah, keep talking." Like, yeah, I'm like soaking this all in, and literally, I got fixated on this one mm. negative. Yeah, yeah, because I didn't have the tools or the the knowledge or the ability to reframe and go, maybe this has got nothing to do with me. Maybe he's just having a bad day. Yeah, I think that's a really great message. What's your ultimate message for the world? I guess we all have the ability to overcome our challenges in life, whatever they may be, and flourish and be our best selves. Mm. Who doesn't want to be the best version of who they are? No one else can do it for you. 
but I guess, are you willing to do it for yourself? Yeah. That's amazing. Oh. Thank you for the real conversation and what you bring to the oh. world. I think um, it's refreshing to have your honesty and vulnerability in this space. So thank you for sharing you and it's nice to see all of you. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you would like further information or to get in touch with me, you can visit ignitewellbeing.com.au.